It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. Talk some sports and business with Christy Dosh, sports business analyst. As we have our conversation, go to ChristyDosh.com. And Sports Biz Miz joins us here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Christy, Jonathan Hood, thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I want to talk to you first about you and your family uh, with this shelter in place. Um, how's everything going with you? Well, you know, I live in Florida, so we uh, the folks here really resisted going into the shelter in place. And I live in a tourist destination, so we've been pretty quiet because when they shut down the beaches a few weeks ago, everybody left. So it's one of the few times I'm super thankful that I live in a very small town. I, I mm-hmm. sometimes miss the big city, but not right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough here in Chicago as well, but we're getting through. So I'm grateful that everything is good with you and your family. Um, I want to talk some baseball with you. Um, I've I just notice over the last i guess week or two that there's been so many different ideas thrown out there to start the baseball season how much does the lack of daily attendance really hurt major league baseball's bottom line you know there's such a huge impact because ticket sales are obviously an enormous portion of the revenue tv as well and tv you'd be able to get back if you could play the season somewhere even if you were playing in empty stadiums but you know i looked at something today that was talking about all the questions you'd have to answer to do something like that and it was like who would have the home team advantage who would get to sell the signage in the stadium so when we're thinking from a revenue standpoint you know who gets the concession money are you just splitting it 50 50 you know what does happen with that stadium signage so i think there's a lot of stuff left to figure out but i think that they both want to get the season going because they feel like people can really use sports right now for a morale boost but also it allows them to turn on the faucet for that tv money and that's going to be super important for them christy let's start with baseball there's a lot of wild ideas thrown out there to start the season for major league baseball different ideas How much does a lack of daily attendance currently hurt Major League Baseball's bottom line? Yeah, I think there were going to be some uh, interesting conversations going on as the league tries to negotiate with both the national networks and with the teams and their regional networks to figure out who gets to come in and broadcast those games and how is that money going to be funneled back to teams. Christy Dosh, a sports business analyst with Jonathan Hood on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Christy, I, I want to ask you about the NBA because I got a lot of questions about the league. How severe is the revenue shortfall for the league without games? You know, same thing. You know, all the leagues are facing the same thing when it comes to ticket revenue, concession revenue, you know, parking for some of them. And so they're facing these same issues for basketball because the season had already started. At least you had some of the season to get some revenue. You know, when you're looking at baseball, it's how do you even get started because there's no money coming in the door yet. So I would say the NBA is in a little bit of a better position because at least the season was already in full swing, but they want to get back and finish it. And my understanding is there's some tricky language in the collective bargaining agreement that is going to force the NBA to make a decision maybe a little faster than they want to. And so they're really turning to the Chinese Basketball League and looking at when they're going to be able to return and how they're going to manage that. 
there's just been a, a number of events, UFC, NBA is part of this, baseball also, to try to house an entire league in one city, say it's in Arizona or if it's just in one spot. I don't, with this corona pandemic, Christy, that doesn't really make sense to me because uh, if, say for instance, every player is, is clear of COVID-19, say in the NBA, okay, it doesn't mean necessarily that the workers and the officials and the people that work in that said venue are clear also. You're still in a position where you could be affected, uh, even though the players might be clean. Right. I was reading this plan for how the NBA could go to Vegas and take over essentially one of those enormous properties. And all of the players could live there, eat there, train there. You're playing all the games there. So you have this closed environment. They all get quarantined, you know, for the 14 days before you go in. They're all getting temperature checks. They said multiple times a day. And they also said there would have to be the availability of testing to test them multiple times during this. But you're right. What about all the people who have to come in? and work to feed them and to, you know, make this a reality. Could you get enough people who were willing to go live in the hotel with them and not leave? That seems like a bit of a stretch for me. So I don't know how you create that perfectly enclosed environment. This is so many head-scratching questions. We talked to Christy Dosh right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Now, Christy, you wrote the book, uh, Saturday Millionaires, so you know about college football and how it works from a, um, a money standpoint. I would just imagine, now we already had uh, the March Madness that was postponed. College baseball is done away with. And I know that there's a lot of people that are listening, that are college football fans, are concerned with this COVID-19, whether or not the season for college football starts on time or if it happens at all. So I would imagine you would have insight on how uh, much that this could cripple the economy in small town you that rely on college games on a seasonal basis. Oh, it's really huge. So in addition to my writing, I do consulting with athletic departments and I do these economic impact studies. And I'm actually right in the middle of one now for a big power five institution. And we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars in economic impact in the town and the region that they're in, because you've got folks coming in from out of town from the game, you know, especially with college sports. We see a lot of people traveling, even if it's just a day trip, traveling into the area to go to a college football game. And they're, you know, getting gas, they're staying in a hotel overnight, you know, they're eating out, they're spending money in the town. And so the estimates that I've seen is that you would lose, you know, anywhere from 80 to $200 million in visitor spending if you lost a college football season. And, you know, my husband brought up something interesting. He's in sports radio, so he and I talk about this all the time. And I was so focused on the people coming to the football game. And he said, you know, Christy, if students aren't back in school, the businesses have even bigger problems because they don't just rely on those big college football Saturdays. They're reliant on students who come in and eat in those restaurants every single day. And so he's right. If colleges aren't able to start back in the fall, I don't know if it makes that big of a difference for a small business, whether football plays or not. If the university isn't coming back, they're in big trouble. Okay, you can answer this better than anybody because you're in the state of Florida. How in the hell 
is Vince McMahon allowed to run WrestleMania <laughs> with this shelter-in-place order, knowing that the WWE as a company, as a publicly traded company, is not a business that has to be open. It's not an essential business that has to be open because that's part of this order. If you have an essential business like a grocery store or something like that, you can be open. How is this happening that WrestleMania took place last weekend? My understanding, because I started watching that, I live about three hours from Orlando, and I started watching what the mayor was saying and what was happening. We still didn't have a statewide stay-at-home order, but many of the you know counties had already ordered it. And so I saw the one going into effect in Orlando, and I thought, how are they going to get WrestleMania in? But they pre-taped most of it. So they, I think, got in right before everything went into place and managed to get a lot of stuff taped earlier in the week. Now, my understanding is there's still were folks who were there live over the weekend. I'm not entirely sure how they pulled that off, uh, but they did manage to give us two nights of WrestleMania, and I hear that the ratings were incredible because what else were we all going to watch, right? It's, 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 it's interesting. I just know that if, we, if you and I ran a wrestling event, there would be a lot of people wondering, okay, have a wrestling event, but you can only have five or six people in the building. To, ha- to pull off that type of television event, you know that there was 100 people there, and there was was no six foot order at WrestleMania. It just, I know there was some shadiness, Christy Dodge. I'm telling you right now, something happened there where Vince McMahon <laughs> knows President Trump and, and uh, Vince's wife works in the White House in the small business department. So there's, there's something going on there. You know, I think if you know the right people and you have the right kind of cash, you can make a lot of things happen for yourself in this world. <laughs> That's what I think, too. And, and and I'll ask you again about on the UFC side of things. Uh, we were just talking about this on yesterday's show that the UFC is going to try to run uh, an ESPN Plus pay-per-view event at some private island to be determined. I I think Dana White knows. He's just not telling anybody. But apparently, like, in a week or so, that there's... Now, again, if this is in the U.S., again, I will ask, how is this happening uh, when it's not an essential business? Everything else is shut down, but Vince in the WWE, and now Dana White, it says he's going to run events possibly back-to-back-to-back, and clearly it's going to happen with no fans, Right. You know, Dana White said sort of towards the beginning of all this, even after all the other leaks had canceled and after March Madness had been canceled, he was still out in the media saying, nope, we're not going to cancel every, you know, anything. They went down and they did their event in Brazil and they weren't going to cancel anything. They were still going to have fans and everything. You know, and a few days later, he had to change his tune. But we're still not under a nationwide stay-at-home order. There are still pockets where people are able to be out and about. Quite frankly, where I live, there aren't that many people taking it seriously. So, you know, I think that there are probably places he could go, especially if we're talking about a private island, where he would be beyond the reach of any government that's going to, you know, issue a stay-at-home order and monitor what he and his athletes and his fans are doing. I have a summer home in in St. Martin. I wonder if it's there. (laughs) <laughs> or, or St. Lucia. Is it there? Is it? He said a private island. still get a flight? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think it's pretty easy. Cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, okay. So what else are you working on right now, Christy? Because right now there's so many fans that are, are in a position where it's like there's no sports. There are no live sports outside of the ones we just talked about with uh, wrestling for AEW through TNT and Bleacher Report and the WWE and what they're doing in UFC. So... 
that. So what what do you do as a sports fan? What does your husband do as a sports fan without it? <laughs> well, I have to say, as a journalist, I'm getting some of the most creative pitches I've ever seen in my life <laughs> with, uh, you know, people that I've worked with previously, PR agencies I've worked with who are pitching me things that their clients are doing, especially in the sports marketing, sports sponsorship sort of arena, how they're adjusting and the creative things they've come up with. Some of them genuinely are fantastic ideas and are worth, you know, at least a tweet or exploring writing something about. And some of them are just so ridiculous. You can't believe anyone sent you the email. So I'm at least entertained by my pitches every day. Um, You know, and then we've been rewatching or watching a new, a lot of stuff on Netflix and Amazon prime, like everybody else. We have been savoring Ozark, one of our favorite series because We've got a brand new season. We haven't started it yet, and we are saving it for that time when we are desperate and there is nothing left to watch, and that will still give us something to look forward to. <laughs> I'm halfway through Ozark. You're going to love it. Oh, I can't you're wait. Love it. Oh, it is. It is tremendous, and it has the as, <laughs> as a Chicago and it has a little Chicago flavor, a little bit of uh, Midwestern flavor. So I'm I'm happy with that. It's it's very. It's always a very interesting show. Um, uh, you don't forget to go to the website christydosh.com for more information. And as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Christy Dosh, sports business analyst. With me, Jonathan Hood. You're listening to ESPN 1000. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. We'll talk to Jesse Rogers on the Cubs, Major League Baseball. Coming up at 9.30 right here on ESPN 1000. Want to get his thoughts about what he thinks baseball could return. What are the Cubs saying? Get his thoughts on some things. We'll talk to Talk Show Jesse. There's a difference, by the way, between Talk Show Jesse and Reporter Jesse. Reporter Jesse's a little bit more buttoned up. You know, talks in sound bites. But but Talk Show Jesse, he's off the rails. So we'll talk to him coming up at 9.30. And by the way, Tyler, text him. Remind him because he might be... He might be deep into the wine. It's 9.30. Done and done. <laughs> so also, another note on reporter Jesse, very, very apt to hand out the good questions. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. Very good on the good questions. Yes. I'm watching you, Hood. I, right. I'm, I'm going to watch you. I'm going to watch for some, some banging here on the, on the desks. I just want to get that good question trophy again. I want to be a two-time champion because uh, I was the original winner for a good question on the uh, Chris and Adam show. So looking forward to that trophy again. I, tell me, Tyler, if I'm doing this if I'm doing this segment wrong. Tell me if I'm if just interrupt me if I'm not going in the right direction with this. But I have a feeling that there are some within the NFL as we are getting close to the draft. It'll take place on the 23rd. We're 15 days away from the NFL draft. There are some that are in front offices around the NFL that are afraid, and they're afraid that they won't be able to master. This new draft process that's going to go through. Now, this is not going to be like drafts in the past, even though it's still going to take place, where you're going to have the pick on hand, or you can't fly to certain cities to see the pick that you want and have a one-on-one conversation. Everything's done through Zoom. Everything's done through Skype, Periscope, whatever. Whatever the video vehicle, I say that uh, 10 times fast, to be able to find the video vehicle 
uh, that they want. They, I think there's some guys that are afraid of this because it's not the same as going up to somebody, shaking their hand, talking to them across the table and interviewing them to find out if they're right for your football team. There are some that are doing this for a living that have never had to deal with technology on this level where when they make a pick, it's going to be different than it was in the past. And because there's not going to be any fans there and there's going to be the social distancing with this draft, it's going to be different than any draft that we've ever seen because of what we're going through with COVID-19. So Adam Schefter was on Get Up this morning and says that there are concerns about the draft from NFL GMs. The NFL issued a ruling that basically said everybody is working from home. And I think another thing that people were expecting, which has been met with mixed reviews, is that it'll be basically each person for him or herself in his or her own home drafting virtually. And that is a changeup because coaches want to be with GMs and GMs want to be with the pro personnel directors and the pro personnel directors want to be with the college scouting directors. And these teams are used to having great communication. Now, you can do it through teleconferencing, but there are already teams worried about having their Zoom teleconference hacked in by another team. That's been a question that's been raised right now. There are issues where other teams have said it's not fair that Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones and the same family get to be together in the same home on the draft day. And so I think there are going to be more teams that raise more issues here, and this is where it's at right now. And I think some teams have also wondered why the league keeps making rulings rather than saying, let's just sit back and see where we are before we come up with something. Here's where we are today. This is what we're planning. But we're open to other ideas, and we'll see what develops as the draft draws closer now two weeks from Thursday night. Schefter continued. He talked about the virtual draft and how it will impact the amount of trades. Well, I think what it may impact, Greeny, is the amount of trading you see. Because if you're leaving the same amount of time on the clock, there is less time for teams to communicate with each other and turn in the picks. And therefore, you may see less trading than in other years. Usually, we see teams jumping up and all around the draft board. And maybe we'll see it again. But I know there are people that are skeptical that that can happen under these circumstances because of the difficulties we're presented with here. Plus, I know there are teams that are worried about technological challenges and one GM said to me that his internet went out at home. Can you imagine if a team was on the clock and the internet went out? This is so ridiculous. <laughs> I think there's a valid point brought up there, though. Like, if the internet goes out, I don't know about you, but during that storm last night, there was a lot of power outages in my area. And I know kids that are at home doing this e-learning now. And imagine if you had a paper due at midnight. Or maybe you go to school on the East Coast, which is actually 11 o'clock for you, midnight Eastern time. You're screwed if that internet goes out, if that router goes down, or if your your son's maybe playing Fortnite and taking up the bandwidth. Look, man. Well, first of all, in in my situation, if if the lights did go out, I'm I'm taking a picture of the darkness and taking a picture of my block. And it's like, okay, I'm sorry, I can't get this paper in because legit there's a power outage and you're taking pictures. And it's like, I'm sending this off so you know it's late. Now, when it comes to this NFL, I just think that there's some old heads that just don't understand technology. And I think the smart teams will be able to understand, like, okay, here are the players that we're looking at. And if we don't get the player we want, we got to go to the next step and get the get the pick in. 
if there is an issue with, um, you know, with a power outage or something like that, you can still be able to text it in and be able to have a, a fail safe, right? You've got to be able to have second and third and fourth opportunities to get that pick in via phone call or whatever. This is so silly. It, it, it really is. And I, I'll tell you something else too. In, in this era now of social distancing, I don't know why the, the head decision maker can't be at the facility. Just one or two people at the facility. How come they can't be at the facility? Why does every GM have to be at home? Answer that question for me, Tyler Key. Why is that the case? I don't know. I mean, I guess. Why? Why, people why can't they yeah. be at the facility? No, I, I'm with you. I, I don't get why at least one person can't be. Um, one? Or I guess just I, one or two. One or two people. Yeah. Like, I understand you can't have the full war room of all, because ultimately the war room is about the decision makers. The guy get to pick in the public, the um, the people that are part of the um, the front office there. But ultimately, it's just a party in there. Right. It's it's, it's everyone that's that makes the pick. It's um, the public relations people in there. All that conversation, all that. But ultimately, it's a, a celebration that we get to party. And usually, it's like twenty people in there. Yeah. Okay. So in this era of social distancing, you need like two or three people in the conference room to make the pick. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's simple. Ryan Pace has to have someone there to high five when he trades up to draft Mitchell Trubisky, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> doing it by yourself sucks. Right, <laughs> that's not going to work. So I just, I think it's much ado about nothing, and I think that, um, I think that each GM or assistant GM should be able to be in the room together. And again, it, they can't, it, it, they all can't be at the draft site. But at least they could be in their war room, whatever they they're calling it, and be able to make that pick. pick. Why is it got to be at the crib? Why is it in someone's living room? That's strange. Someone's den. This is going to be a strange thing. Um, Mortensen, Craig. So I'm looking at what Mort said. Mort um, talked about this uh, as well. How will the virtual draft work? It will be one member of your personnel department in one home and it's up to the GM or the key decision maker in some cases the, the head coach is a key decision maker like Bill Belichick in New England or Andy Reid in Kansas City and they will certainly shrink their squad so to speak they'll have their key lieutenants available to them but those lieutenants those people on the personnel staff along with the doctor they will have to be there in their own separate home isolated let's just take a general manager in the basement in the basement of his own home having key guys available by phone somebody Skype and making his selection. I've heard no expansion of the clock in terms of the availability to widen, the, space out the clock so you have more time to make these picks. Uh, for some people, they think it'll be more efficient. For others, they think it will be more chaotic. There's some issues there with Mort. Is, is he okay? I think his his internet didn't sound very good there. The did you see the Brady Howard Stern? How he started on Zoom and then it was so bad the back and forth that they just moved him to the phone. No, is that is that was that, from today? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that didn't sound very good. I mean, if Tom Brady's Wi-Fi is that bad, well, that says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Not? I mean, this guy's got all the money in the world. Um. Uh, by the way, from Adrian Wojnarowski from uh, ESPN, it goes back to the stories we told earlier regarding uh, Art Carna Carna's. Okay, hold on. I got it written down here. Hold on. The uh, the GM for the Denver Nuggets, Karnasovis. Thank you. I had to because I have it phonetically spelled out. Uh, Art Karnasovis. Um, 
I better know that name pretty well because he very well could be the next GM for the Chicago Bulls. Art Karnasovas completed a second lengthy interview with the Bulls late this afternoon, which included both owner Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Reinsdorf. Karnasovas is the clear frontrunner in the franchise's process to hire a new top basketball executive. So there you go. So that tells me that Karnasovas is going to be a finalist. If Reinsdorf Jerry is, if he's in the room, that means that he's going to definitely not only be a front runner, but could he could he actually be hired? So that's that comes across from Woj today, um, and we talked about this earlier. How it is important for the Bulls to get this right, and Joe Cowley from the Sun Times has been really great on this reporting, talking about how John Paxson is in a really great mood that he knows that there's going to be change and it won't be all on him. Um, but ultimately, you know, Pax is in the room. Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf is in the room. Gar's in the room. I know that they're all in the room, and it's just, it, it is somewhat troublesome in some ways that there wasn't an out-and-out firing or just saying, okay, we're going to have someone else evaluate and, and be in the process. Maybe Doug Collins is in the process too, by the way. Um, but I, I just... Um, the, the two things that resonate with me the most about the Bulls and what they could do is that Paxson and Gar have to ha- name their replacements. That's number one. And number two, this person that they're going to choose, uh, whether it is um, whether it's this particular person or someone else, they're going to be in the job for 20 years, whoever they're going to choose. And also, Kylie's reporting that it's not just going to be one person. It's going to be maybe two people. So maybe someone to replace Gar and Pax. Just a new face. It's time for a new um, coat of paint uh, on the west side for the Chicago Bulls. More on the Cubs and Major League Baseball with Jesse Rogers. That's next right here on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Is under the hood. Listen to me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Jesse Rogers covers the Chicago Cubs and Major League Baseball for ESPN. And my friend of 25 years joins me here on ESPN 1000. Hello, Jess. Jay Hood, how are you tonight? I am fine, sir. Let me check in with you and your family. How's everything going on that side of the fence? Well, I am glad you brought that up because I am quarantined currently with two college-age stepsons of mine. And let me tell you, they think they have every answer. They think they know it all, sports, life. And I got to sit here quarantined with them night after night after night listening to it. So please, let's get out of the house. (laughs) Well, Well, they're just like their stepdad. You got the answer for everything. Yeah, well, true. Yeah, they probably feel the same way. <laughs> That's <a good> point. <laughs> they answer for everything. They got the world straightened out. It's, it's outstanding. Are they paying any bills yet? Have they figured that out, oh, the whole no. bills thing? Oh, look, one of them bought lunch one day, and he hasn't stopped talking about it. One time in four, 21 days, he hasn't stopped talking about it. So, no, they, uh, they aren't paying rent yet for some reason. <laughs> My God, he's Kaplan. <laughs> Great analogy. He's, he's cap. I go out to Detroit, uh, Black and I, uh, for the uh, Horizon League, and you know, Cap is gracious enough to pay for it. And I and I reference it. I go, Hey, Cap, remember we went to Detroit? He goes, Yeah, I paid for it. 
<laughs> what the hell? When you do it once, you remember it. <laughs> it's unbelievable, this guy. Oh God, I love that guy. So, yep. so um, let me let I need to talk to Talk Show Jesse. Can we talk to Talk Show Jesse? It's all there is right now. What am I reporting on? Well, <laughs> all, I, all I can do is talk show Jesse. There's no, nothing to watch. Yeah, go ahead. That's true. That, well, uh, talk show Jesse, let's talk a little bit about an accelerated season for baseball whenever it, it does return. I was crunching some numbers about how it is, you know, there's teams like the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Rays of the last, oh, say, seven, eight years that have been able to do much better uh, in the second half of seasons. And so I'll ask you this. What, what does a say, a 100-game season look like for you for baseball? How much does that increase the awareness of the game if we had, say, a 100-game season? Well, look, they're going to have everyone's attention if they actually return and play. Um, at that point, 100, 130, 160, I mean, obviously you're, you're chopping off 60 games, but I don't think anyone's going to care. Um, I'm not sure that the, the brand of baseball is going to be great this year whenever they play. We know it's going to be a shortened spring training, again, if they play, and that's that's going to lead to some shoddy baseball. So I, I think it's like, let's hope there's some good competition after a month or two, and maybe things are getting back to normal, and uh, the 100 games will be just fine. So I, I don't think that matters at all this year, how many they play, as long as they're playing and, and people get to watch and get distracted from what's going on here. Do you foresee, a say, a week or two of spring training before the season starts? You can't start off cold, obviously. Yeah, you know, I've talked to a, a – a, a lot of people just in the last 24 hours with this new proposal, but back to the shutdown, I've talked to guys throughout. They've all said in order to at least get the minimum would be two weeks to get ready. You know, the least. Now I think most of the time or normal circumstances, they'd say three or four, right? Go back to what normal is at six. So they probably want to go at least three to four if it was a perfect situation, but um, they're not going to, they don't care. They'd rather play games and get paid instead of go two more weeks of spring training. So I think the minimum is two, and the maximum might be right around there as well. Jesse, I spoke about this earlier, how it, it, it's just really amazing that with not just basketball, but baseball and other sports where they're just trying to find a way to shoehorn in a season or just start. I just I went after those that believe that it's a good idea to just have every team in baseball in Arizona without having the understanding of it's not about the players. If every Major League Baseball player that we know is healthy and not dealing with COVID-19, cool. But what about everybody else? What about the hotel workers? What about the people behind the scenes? I mean, just because you touch them once doesn't mean that they're going to be in the clear. I, I just think that we, there's just so much of a rush to try to get baseball or other sports out there that we're not thinking about the other people because other people might have COVID-19. They may not know it. And now you're right back where you were for square one. I, th- I thought you were going to sort of say, well, I think you are saying this anyway, but um, it, it it, it's like it's a rush not to think clearly in a way, mm-hmm. you know, you're not to, to get it back out. There, you're not thinking clearly, but I, look, they have eight hours a day to do nothing. Right. I'm talking about like business hours, nine to five. What's baseball. They have to start thinking of outside the box ideas to get back on the field if they can at all. So I sort of get thinking it, but how would you even execute any of that? I mean, umpires of are, are older managers. A lot of managers are older. They're more susceptible. I mean, to put everybody in some biosphere just seems outlandish, but at least they're having a conversation of how to get the game back on the field. So I, I sort of see both sides of it. Like that's never going to happen, but let's take it back a step. Maybe something else similar like that can happen. Maybe there's a way to do it 
that we, we do play baseball this year. So I don't have a problem with them thinking it, but executing is a whole other, uh, you know, whole other concept, really. The other thing is, we talked to Jesse Rogers with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. The other thing, Jesse, is I'm thinking about the Cubs in, in as far as the framework of Theo and Jed. Like whenever, whenever the season starts, I'm just wondering how Cubs management looks at Theo and Jed with a shortened season. Like, does everything go right back to the clock it was? Like, if the Cubs fall short by July 31st, by the time we get, to, whenever the deadline is. If they fall short by the time they get the deadline, are they unplugging this thing? And what happens to Theo and Jed? These storylines are still current, even though we don't have baseball. Yeah, and it's a great point, and it's really no one's brought it up yet. And and it, that's a it, that's a it, column, more, pal. That's a yeah, column. It, it'll be it'll be more relevant when we start up again. But I wish I could give you a great answer. I don't know what this shutdown means for any team. I mean, I guess if you are an all-in contender, that doesn't change anything, right? But uh, And I guess if you were totally rebuilding, that doesn't change anything. But if you're somewhere in between, which is a lot of teams, including the Chicago Cubs, what what do you think of? Do you think, okay, it's a short sprint of a season, maybe we can capture lightning in a bottle? I don't know what the trade deadline is going to look like. You'd have to assume there is one if they play. Um, and so, I mean, if it's 100 games, that, that thing's all going to happen pretty fast. You're going to get to that trade, line, trade deadline pretty fast. So I, I think it's a fascinating question. What does the shutdown do for a lot of these teams that were thought of this way going into the going into this thing? Now you might think of them a little bit differently for whatever reason. Don't I don't have a good answer about that with the Cubs. It's just too early to know. Well, I, I mean, you would just think on the surface if it's a short season that if whatever deadline there is, if you still have to just move forward with the roster that you have because you can't evaluate the same as it would be if the season was going on right now. Say say the season started, Jess, and then we get close to the, the usual deadline that we're used to. If the Cubs are not uh, contending, you're you're trading assets, right? Aren't, aren't you trading? But, but now, it's to me, it's like you hold on to your assets, see what you're doing, add on as you go along whenever the season uh, resumes, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting point. You're right. I think in a normal year, if they were sort of out of the race, he'd be selling, no doubt about it. Here, what does out of the race look like? I mean, obviously, if they're come out of the gate 10, 15 under, that's one thing. But, you know, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of parity if, if they play right out of the gate just because of the, the weird shutdown, the, the length of time, and, and then obviously a short ramp up to whatever they, the season they have. So you're right. I don't, I don't see that same, oh, we got to sell. 60 games into a 100-game season unless you're way, way out of the race. So I think it does change the dynamic a little bit. I'm just trying to give, give Theo an extra year. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, try to give him yeah a- <laughs> it's not a bad idea. How interesting would it be if the Cubs or Sox, because it's a shorter season, there's, it, somehow they take advantage of that. Like Maybe the Cubs veteran pitching starting staff wouldn't hold up over 162, but maybe they're, they're, they're an all-star staff at 100 games. And maybe the White Sox... Uh, get off to a great start because they have all that exuberation, you know, youthful exuberance, and then that carries them. You know, it would be interesting. How does that shorter season affect the teams? I mean, we may not know until we look back at it. We may never know. But um, I do think it does change the dynamic. I think we can say that much. I think that's a column that you just put there on hold and then just roll yeah. out there and you're a genius. <laughs> I no, think that's what you And it's something that will be written. If, if they tell us, you know, June 1st is the season, so, you know, at some point – you write something like that, like what did the three months off do for teams one through 30? You know, what, how did it affect the, how did it affect them and how does it affect the race? 
Uh, do you, have you heard any news? I know Tim Anderson was on SportsCenter, was it last week or two weeks ago, and it said that he was working out uh, in Arizona. Are, are any of the facilities open for players to just roll out there and just, you know, play, you know hit some fungos? No, no, they closed the facilities down. So guys are little, you know, local local playgrounds if you're allowed to be there, backyards, you know, some home gyms. So a lot of guys that actually live in Arizona. Um, uh, so that, that'll be interesting, too, by the way, if they play out there and you have to be sequestered. You actually live there, yet you're going to have to go over to the hotel two miles from your house and live there for four months. So that's a whole other layer if that actually goes down. Uh, but, no, they can't go to the facilities. they got to do stuff on their own, and that's why – that's why spring training is going to be really important. You, you have no, you can't even go to the local high school and pitch again, pitch or have a, a catcher catch you um, from the high school team. You know what I mean? Like you really are on your own with the people that you are sequestered with. And so that it, it, it's not going to look pretty once they get the camp and start playing games. Here's the question, my friend. And here's the ultimate question. What, what is all this doing to Vegas? I mean, Vegas, I mean, they've got money, but my God, man, when everything is just shut down, when you can't even put any a, a few shillings down on a horse race, that's pretty tough. Yeah, and who would, ever, who would ever think of all American institutions, the casinos closing down would be the last thing I, I would think happened, you know? <laughs> but this, who knows what kind of world we're going back to, uh, crowds and casinos. Is that going to be um, something that's limited? Um, obviously, sporting events with the fans might be limited shows in Vegas, you know, seriously with the crowd. I mean, who knows what, what world we're coming back to. So um, the casinos will just be part of everything else that's that's been, you know, thrown upside down during this thing. Boy, you sure have mellowed with kids and, 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 uh, and having a <laughs> wife. Boy, there would have been a time when Jesse Rogers would have been piping up saying, Hawthorne should be open. There's no COVID for the horses. <laughs> Give them an opportunity, pal. That's yeah, what yeah. Be now saying. I'm like nine forty. He wants me on. That's past my bedtime <laughs> at this point. Although, co- although COVID time, it, 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 we call it COVID time. There, you don't even know what time of day it is usually. Like I don't know what day it is. You know, it's just been insane. But uh, much sadder for a lot of other people, obviously. Yeah, no question about it. Well, I just want to reach out to you, see how everything was going, and um, you know, when everything, when when everything is healthy, when we're able to go outside again, that's when we'll start to get, see some signs of sports again. But until then, we just have to wait. Yep, yep. We'll talk soon again. I hope with some news if they, if they finally make a decision. But we're still probably a few weeks away from that. Thank you, my friend. As always, you got it, Jay. Take care. And it is uh, Jesse Rogers, who is with us, covers the Cubs Major League Baseball for ESPN 1000. He's with us right here on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Go! Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Stacey Dales is always a terrific guest from the NFL Network. Love to talk to her about the NFL. I just think that one of the most intriguing things we're looking forward to as sports fans is trying to determine... What's going to happen with the quarterback spot? Does Trubisky start? Does Foles start? And when does this happen, right? Because it is such a make-or-break time for Ryan Pace. I've said many times that out of all the general managers, whether it's about Hahn and Williams with the White Sox or Theo and Jed with the Cubs, what's going on with Bowman with the Chicago Blackhawks or Garn Pax with the Bulls, 
no one has a bullseye on their head more than Ryan Pace because the big unknown is what's going through the mind of Virginia McCaskey. Does she look at what's happening with the Bears as she looked at the Trustman administration, the two years of just a lot of talk and not a lot of progress, not a lot of production, not a lot of hope that the Bears can win. And so I, I'll never know because she won't be coming on this show or anybody else's show to really tell how she feels about this organization. Some of the McCaskies also will not say on the record how they really feel about the organization. But it's it's just one of these things where you just want to be able to see a team like the Blue and Orange be able to contend year after year. It's the feeling that you have every offseason. When you go into the season, you got a feeling they're going to fight with the Packers and the Vikings to be one of the top teams in the NFC North and be one of the top teams in the NFC and then go from there. But there's always something. There's always, more times than not in my lifetime, there's always the issue of uh, impotent offense, the ineptitude offensively, where you have a strong defense, you have difference makers, you have pro bowlers on the defensive side of the football, but then you get to the offensive side of the football, and it's just like you might have a, a player here, player there, but the quarterback, the quarterback has been the issue. If you're a Bears fan, you know what I'm talking about. Because if in, even in your lifetime, can you name the quarterbacks that really pay dividends for the team that you knew you get to the Super Bowl with that guy? Even when Rex Grossman was the quarterback for the Bears, everybody didn't like Rex Grossman. Even in that Super Bowl year, the year the Bears went to the Super Bowl was one of the worst years for me being on the air. And here's why. During that time that Rex Grossman was the quarterback for this team, everybody was calling that year saying, I don't believe in this guy. This guy's a loser. Get rid of him. While the Bears were winning because it was about the defense because the defense really did the job. And so even during that time, people didn't believe in Rex Grossman. They believed in the defense. And more times than not, people do believe in the defense. So I asked Stacey Dales from the NFL Network, who covers the Bears and everything else around the NFL, about this whole quarterback situation with Trubisky and Foles. I asked her her reaction to now Foles being part of the mix for the Bears. Uh, I wasn't surprised that a quarterback was acquired. It was a matter of which one. I think that the individual chosen in Nick Foles was the best-case scenario for the Chicago Bears because of his really extensive history with not only the head coach, but, you know, the coordinator. I mean, John Filippo. he won a uh, – the quarterback's coach now, he, he won a, a Super Bowl with with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, all of it's been well chronicled. Um, I, I think that, you know, w- when you consider Nick Foles and his poise and his veteran nature, um, you know, added to this roster, I, I think is it's all crystal. I use the word crystallized for me since the actual trade happened for the Chicago Bears and the Jacksonville Jaguars. As I've processed it, I really feel like, you know, we can all say Trubisky has, has the, I guess, the, a little bit of a foot forward because he's been here. And um, However, there is no room for error. There's no margin for error. And I think Nick Foles, you know, could be a guy to step in and start because he knows the system so well, all of the RPO mechanisms that, that operate within this offense. Um, I mean, you couldn't have ha- asked for a better possibility if you're the Chicago Bears for a quarterback to come in and push for the starting role. 
I also asked Stacy from the NFL Network her thoughts about the assessment of all the Bears' moves that they made here so far in the offseason. Competition's good. I know Ryan Pace wanted competition, and he's not playing around with this. I mean, what, what, what always stands out to me through free agency, Jonathan, is when you look at a team and how they tool one side of the football. So what I see with, for instance, the Green Bay Packers last year, as you know, they added the Smith brothers. They're not brothers, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zedarius and Smith, uh, Preston. I, I see a Chicago Bears unit that got together and said, let's build our defense via free agency, and now we're going to add a bunch of youth to this offense. And, oh, by the way, Nick Foles is now on the roster. <laughs> so right. what they've done, what they've added defensively, um, you know, I think about Robert Quinn, who's, you know, in, in his time in the National Football League, 80-plus sacks. Uh, there aren't many guys that have that. And I talked to one Bears player last week when it all happened, and he couldn't have been more thrilled because it adds depth up front. It adds another pass rusher to free up Khalil Mack a little bit. Um, and so, you know, for, for Barcavius Mingo, another former first-rounder, added to the roster. Um, so, so for the Chicago Bears, you have now – done a couple of things here. I, I love the Robert Quinn move, and I just think that from from the standpoint of building that defense up and all that they have up front, we'll see what they can add to their back end, possibly through the draft, but you know, you have two picks in the second round, and that's not bad. I mean, you always want a first-rounder, but you pick early in the second round if you're the Bears, and this is a deep draft. It's, um, you know, I think at every position you could argue, receivers, tight ends, um, offensive line, I think all those three positions for me is going to be really interesting for the Bears in the second round. So thoughts there from Stacy Dales. We can hear our, our entire conversation on the ESPN Chicago app. Look for Under the Hood. You can tap Stacy Dales in this interview, and boom, you're right there. You can hear our complete conversation. I thank you for listening and being part of the program here on ESPN 1000. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Mike Sando, Christy Dosh, and Jesse Rogers. Tyler Aki on the other side of the glass producing and directing the program. Back tomorrow with you between 7 and 10. We will talk about the Bears and the NFL draft. And it's a throwback Thursday. We'll be able to take your phone calls and get your thoughts on some of the things that you might have forgotten from years ago. So for Tyler M. Jonathan, don't forget we're alone together during this COVID-19. Thanks for listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.